Hi guys, and welcome back to Countering Climate Change. This is episode 3, Youth Movements. I'm Alina. And I'm Naomi. And in today's episode, we'll be discussing this current era of youth climate activism and iconic names for our generation like Greta Thunberg and even one of my favorite artists, Jaden Smith, and then some collectives such as the Sunrise Movement, Fridays for Future, and more. So where should we start today? Um, I guess just some thoughts that I've been having, okay. like, about these different youth movements are that, you know, we grew up, like, learning about different youth movements all the time, like, the college students in the Civil Rights Movement, and then, like, high schoolers championing against the Vietnam War. Um, but climate change is an issue that's only been pushed to the forefront of headlines recently. So rather than like drawing inspiration from these past people, we're actually living in it present time and we have the chance to be those people yes. that future generations will hear about and read about. Um, these people are our age, they're our peers, they're essentially you and I and they're the listeners, listeners of this podcast right now and from um, India to New York City, teens everywhere and even kids are fighting for our earth and you know we're seeing it and experiencing this fight directly and i just think that's like a beautiful and unique experience that's kind of where i just wanted to start off yeah and i think yeah. it's really interesting because it like is one of the biggest issues that impacts us directly compared to the older generation who's really like n like not going to experience the negative impacts of climate change as much as we will in our futures as it just continues to get worse Right, and I think one of the most prominent and powerful examples of this fight um, that we have the opportunity to be involved in present day is Fridays for Future, in my opinion, um, which is a movement started by Greta Thunberg when she was just 15, and her story is that essentially she became obsessed with the issue of climate change, and that obsession quickly dawned into a dark and depressing period for her, um, of her life. And I just think it's something you rarely see that someone turns that into, like, the sheer willpower to make it a grand-scale movement. And she started skipping school every Friday and protesting at the Swedish parliament in Stockholm um, just by herself and eventually became two people, three people, news outlets came to see her. And now it's something that turned into the largest climate change protest ever. Um, I'm sure you guys remember the first one was in March with um, about 1.6 million people. And then the second one was in September of 2019 um, with like 4 million people and from over 150 countries. And it was completely led by youth. And I just think that's crazy how the largest movement for climate change ever in the history of Earth was led by someone who was just 15 years old when she started it and then people like us. Um, and she actually drew inspiration from other youth movements, um, including... The Parkland, right? Yeah, yeah Parkland. I was going to bring that up. Right, yeah, go it's ahead. It's so interesting how like, youth movements can, other youth movements can inspire youth movements. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's a deep connection between people of our generation because we are experiencing something right. unique. Um, you know, like the civil rights movement, for example, to draw back to what I was mentioning earlier, that had been something that since the creation of the United States, black people had been facing. But climate change, you know, is something, again, something new. The fact that people realize it's an issue is new. Um, so I think it's truly unique, the connection that we have with other people in our generation. So, yeah, and you can see that with Greta yeah. um, drawing inspiration from, you know, the March for Our Lives protests and the teenagers who started that after the heinous Parkland shooting. It's so. truly so inspiring what she does. Mm-hmm. And, um... Also famously, she took a trip to New York City by means of a solar-powered yacht 
um, which drew a lot of memes yes. from people. But speaking <laughs> of that, she was on her way to the 2019 UN Youth Climate Summit in New York City at the time. Right. And there were a lot of interesting um, other youth activists that were there. I think there was a lot of young kids that mm-hmm. went there as youth activists. And a few notable things was... I'm going to absolutely butcher this guy's name, I'm so sorry, but Kehran, yo, bro, I'm so sorry. He's from Cote d'Ivory, and I also definitely pronounced that wrong too, I'm sorry. But he discussed how schools can like be made entirely out of recycled plastic bricks, and this is like a project he's actually oh, wow. working on, and like hopefully Africa will see like the first of its kind like brick factory, and this can like convert plastic waste into modular bricks to build more classrooms in West Africa, so not only will he'd be providing more education for kids in West Africa, but will also, like, be recycling and providing, like, good means towards and, like, motivation to recycle plastic into bricks, which I think is really clever, too. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of inspiring young people with projects. I have a couple noted here, but if you have anything you were planning on discussing before I mention anything? Um, no, I was mainly just planning on discussing, like, the bigger movements and yeah. more collective, so go ahead and, like, give some individual examples. Okay, uh, a couple other people who were at the 2019 Youth Climate Summit, along with Greta Thunberg, um, Nina Bengston, sorry, these names are so, like, they're from all over the world, so these names are not what I'm used to, but she's from a young climate activist from Denmark, and she echoed the idea that we speak up in our own local communities, we change our diets, we change our habits, we take to the streets, and yet we're not included in the formal decision-making process, which I think is so true, and one thing that a lot of people were pushing for at the 2019 UN um, Climate Summit was for young people to be involved in these decisions, because we should be at the forefront of the movement that's like impacting us very directly. And a lot of other kids who saw this um, climate change impacting their own communities, like how, um, what's it, sorry, <laughs> climate change disproportionately impacts like le- less wealthy countries, even though like they're l- often the lowest perpetuators of climate change. So one um, guy, I'm sorry, I didn't know his name, but he has a really good story because he um, started a movement to clean up this river in India that's highly polluted. And that was really cool. And another thing was Monica Selena Seyfried. She lives in Poland and she proposed a solution to cut our carbon footprint of data because the collection and storage of data is like something people don't really think about but requires a lot of energy. And so her initiative was to, it's called Grow Your Own Cloud. And it looks into storing the world's DNA, I mean, de- like storing the world's data in liquid DNA. And I think that was really interesting because it shows you can like combine like, different areas of knowledge, like, what you're good at, like, she's probably great in biology, into helping combat climate change, and I think the science part of it is also, like, there's so many kids our age who are getting into STEM, and you can really apply that to helping the climate situation. Yeah, because climate change is such, you know, a global issue that impacts everything, I do agree that, like, in any field, wherever you're strong at, you can participate in the fight for climate change, and, you know, that also draws on to the, the idea that, like the depression that Greta Thunberg felt and the anxiety that I'm sure a lot of us feel. Um, You may feel like you're not doing enough or you might be comparing yourself to other people, but whichever part of the solution you are, it's completely valid. Um, So I just want to stress that point. And also, um, I liked what you were talking about, Alina, with all the individual people who have worked to combat climate change. And I think what's new and the reason why 
youth are being listened to because this isn't new. You know, for decades, youth have been talking about climate change. What's new is um, the latest gen- our latest generation has been able to capitalize off of social media and the sheer power of influence, creating a sort of feedback loop. And another key difference is that that has allowed our generation to be heard is that we're not just seen as, you know, tree huggers or like sandal wearing hippies. Um, and our message isn't, you know, ripped off straight from the Lorax. It's uh, something that really highlights a plight for humans, uh, for the advance- advancement of environmental justice for marginalized communities and the countries that are recovering from, you know, the grave consequences of colonialism, the ones that are going to be hit hardest by climate change. And it's a message that highlights the human earth connection. And not only that, our constant press and social media presence reminds the adults why they should care about climate change in the first place for their kids, for their grandkids, for the future. And, um, you know, further than that, I think, and while surveys prove that the idea that kids standing up to audiences full of corrupt politicians and greedy adults truly mean something to them because we're not paid to do this. You know, Lena and I doing this podcast, we're not paid to do this. Um, we could be doing something else with our time. Um, and that really shows our true colors and it shows our aligned moral compasses. It shows our integrity and our empathy. And that's something that frankly, the generations that caused climate change lacked. And it's something that we truly exemplify and we don't represent the agenda of big corporations like those audiences they stand up to they don't represent funds from billionaires we're more direct and more representative of the true issue at hand and we give light to real solutions because we have a real hand in this fight and you know we're not introducing the past garbage solutions that take away the blame from the true perpetrators which are the people we're standing up to so yeah that was my little spiel about that (laughs) No, that's definitely a great point. Like, it, the amount of courage it must take for, like, Greta Thunberg to stand in front of this crowd of politicians that she knows, like, aren't going to do anything to help her and still, like, speak with, speak with so much, like, passion and fervor is, like, so admirable. But it really inspires, like, people like us who are in, like, sim- like not similar positions, but, like, so of a similar age, of similar, like, we're going to see similar effects like her. Like, it really inspires us to put in the work. Right. If she has the courage to do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, talking about Greta Thunberg again, um, actually, the UN Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, has endorsed the school strikes and Greta herself, saying, um, and I quote, my generation has failed to respond properly to the dramatic challenge of climate change. This is deeply felt by young people. No wonder they are angry. So that just proves, you know, how much these generations are seeing our true message And I think that's a general way of exemplifying just how effective youth youth movements have been these past couple of years. I mean, we're increasingly being listened to. And, you know, I remember right before Biden's first day, the Sunrise Movement, which I'll explain more about um, later, which is completely composed of young people, was holding meetings with President Biden. And now look at everything he's done just in the first few weeks. Um, But remember what we said in the last episode, though, we must always, always continue to stay vigilant and continue to fight until this crisis is 100 percent eradicated. You know, what's happening with Biden and his executive actions and the media attention is all good, but it's still all too little too late, which isn't doom saying it's just truth telling. But I really like how the Sunrise Movement was in contact with him. I didn't know that. But that's really great because I feel like as the youth, we should be like among the forefront of these decisions. Right. So, do you want to talk about the Sunrise Movement? Sure. 
Okay, so um, the, Sunri the Sunrise Movement was a grassroots political action organization founded a few years ago, um, which operates in a series of stages. So they just finished stage four, which was basically getting Biden to be elected. Um, the aim of the stage was to win governing power by bringing it home through the 2020 general election which happened, thankfully, and we're currently in stage five, which aims to secure the Green New Deal, which we talked about in the last episode. Um, so they operate in hundreds of individual hubs throughout the country, and I actually learned about them watching an episode of Queer Eye, um, where this girl was getting, like, re-looked, and she was a part of the Sunrise Movement, and, you know, she was just so busy, literally, like, fighting climate change, um, that she needed, you know, the people of Queer Eye to step in and renovate <laughs> her, um, and... One of the things they also changed was the apartment she was living in, which is actually with a bunch of members of the Sunrise Movement. And that's something that, you know, they typically do throughout the country, which I think is super cool. Um, you know, and the new face of climate resistant resistance is truly exemplified in those people in the houses, which, you know, is young people and diverse people coming from different backgrounds, social classes, economic classes, um, cultures, religions, all of that. And... Basically, their one thing that ties them together, though, is that they've abandoned entry-level professional jobs to throw themselves into climate change activism full-time. Um, and I think it's important to note that, you know, the traditional timestamps for essentially setting up a life for yourself, like, um, you know, having children, getting married, owning property, getting a secure salary, those all take about the amount of time that the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change warns for countries everywhere to lower their emissions so that we don't enter a state of disastrous, irreversible consequences of climate change. So that's why they're, you know, throwing themselves into this full-time, 24-7, constantly working to combat climate change because they don't have, you know, the privilege of having that future for them or even the chance of having that future for themselves. They have to fight for climate change. That's how they feel. And they're essentially the reason why climate change and the Green New Deal were even conversations in the 2020 election and just in American politics in general, um, since, you know, the Al Gore and whole Green Party situation, because uh, co-founders and members of this movement literally created the beginnings of the Green New Deal uh, in response to former President Obama's, like, insufficient climate action plans. Um, so I just think that's amazing. And they became even more high profile when AOC who's also a very, very young person, you know, she she's still a millennial, but she's very, very young and literally the youngest in the house. Um, she encouraged them and joined them, and that truly put them at the forefront. And also, after occupying Nancy Pelosi's office, they garnered lots of international support. So I just think that shows, like, the sheer strength of youth movements, which... For sure. Yeah, and, like, if ever you doubt yourself, just remember, like, the power of a collective and, you know think back to what we're saying right now about the Sunrise Movement, like, you you have so much strength, especially in numbers with people like you with, and not like you, you know, like, in color and experiences, people like you and their thoughts and, like, their empathy and, you know, their wants to fight climate change. Yes. Yep. Yeah, and I think um, the fact that they all sacrificed full-time jobs, like, straight out of college and just went straight oh, yeah. into activism is really admirable. And I think, yeah. like, doing what you can like, with these situations is really cool. Like, um, some people who are seeing the effects of climate change, like, um, I, I read about this one girl, Vanessa Nakate, I think that's how you'd say it, I don't know, but she already starts seeing, like, the effects of climate change in her hometown, because she lives in Uganda, and, like, 
Mm -hmm. the there's a lot of droughts and flooding and just extreme weather conditions that can really affect like the agriculture environment there and she sells um solar batteries in her father's shop which i think is cool like like with what like with her fact that her father owns a shop she can like do what she can and sell solar batteries there yeah and actually yeah that makes me um think of something that i've been like reflecting upon for a while which is the fact that people historically you know have been activists for other people like high schoolers um protesting the vietnam war like we said earlier you know uh they weren't necessarily going to be drafted unless you know they were at the end of high school and they were men but they were still fighting for this because of their anti-war sentiments and because they truly believed in love and peace and all that hippie stuff that we hear about they truly believed in that um and Sometimes that draws issues, though, like with the idea of white feminism um, that doesn't include black people and trans people and just all different types of minorities in the conversation. But the thing is about climate change that, you know, I've been thinking about is that it is something that affects all of us, like the Vanessa person you were just talking about. um, She's experiencing it in Uganda and we experience it here in Florida. We experience it here as members of the United States and just as members of this world, we're experiencing it. So literally everyone can have a say in the fight for climate change. Yes. Which I think is, you know... It's a a, universal issue. Right. It's a curse and a blessing. You know, it's great that we're all collectively experiencing this and, you know, we can just eradicate the BS because we're feeling it and there's no arguing it. But... At the same time, you know, it's a curse that we are all experiencing this. Like, this shouldn't be happening. But yeah, so that's what I think is beautiful about it is that literally anyone can come together and there won't be the issue of, well, are you really fighting for me or not? You know, is this like selfish or greedy? Because you're if you're fighting for climate change you are fighting for everyone including yourself so it's like uniting amongst tragedy kind of right beautiful in a way another um example of youth activism you guys have probably heard about the ocean cleanup maybe i think it's pretty big now but boyan slat started it and he'd been working on it since he was 17 years old and it's basically where he designed this device to clean like where the ocean kind of cleans it itself because of the movement of the current and it'll pick up trash in a U-shaped, like, device that moves with the gyre, which is, like, an ocean circle or whatever. <laughs> it's it basically movement of a current. And he plans on eradicating the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. Oh, wow. And he can hopefully clean 50% of the plastic in it in five years. And a lot of people have supported his project, so I really hope it becomes successful because I think that's a really great thing and a really great application of your skills to really fight climate change. That reminds me of my fourth grade project. Yeah, where you <laughs> saved the world. Where, yeah, I always joke that yeah. I saved the oceans and the world um, for my fourth grade project. Um, but, you know, that just also shows an example of what we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Everybody has different, you know, strengths and limitations. Mine was not STEM and still is not STEM. So, you know, that project is completely abandoned. That guy has the hold of that. You know, I do not. (laughs) My strengths, in my opinion, are, you know, my ability to converse with other people and create new solutions and have creative thinking and, you know, kind of being at the forefront, whether it's like straight up activism or sitting in boardrooms and stuff like that. Like, that's where my strengths are, not in the STEM stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Or like, um... I could draw up policies with lots of research, but I cannot draw up, you know, a plan to take out the the trash out of the ocean. So yeah, everybody has their different strengths, and I think that's also beautiful. And that kind of goes back to what you were saying about how we can all unite on this issue. Like, people with any set of skills can really help, like, right. whether you're a STEM kid or whether you're good at, like, speaking and writing. Like, 
you can participate in helping yeah. climate change. The only limitation, because everybody has their own strengths, the only limitation is, like, the amount of resources people have. Yes. But, um... An example of a person with lots of resources is Jaden Smith. Um, that's my little segue into talking <laughs> about really him. Clear. Yeah, so Jaden Smith um, is someone that, if, even if you don't follow him on social media, you're still probably affected by him in a way because his family members are Willow Smith, Jada Smith, and Will Smith. Like, there's no way you're not hearing some things yeah. from their family. Um, and I just really am have been inspired by him for a really, really long time because he actually utilizes his platform in an efficient manner while still, like, maintaining his artistic integrity. And, you know, that's just great. And he's been extremely vocal on social media about the climate crisis and other issues. Um, And he's also the founder of Just Water, which you probably see in, like, almost every store now. And it's bottles made out of paper and plant-based materials um, in order to protect our oceans and our wildlife. And most importantly, though, he founded a nonprofit called 501C3, which aims to combat water insecurities through tech-driven solutions. Um, and that includes sending out four of their, like, water boxes, which filter out water in a safe and free way, to Flint, Michigan, um, which is a community that has been hard, hard hit by the failures of those governing over them. Um, and also sent out to Skid Row, um, which is in LA and Newark, New Jersey. Um, so I just think, I just think that's amazing. You know, he could be living in his life of privilege and riches and wealth and fame. Um, and just hanging out with Tyler, the creator at Coachella, but instead (laughs) have like time to make good use of his money. Yeah. Instead, he's like one of the only people that have actually helped out Flint (laughs) when they've been in the news like so much. It's so sad that like water might be commodified because I feel like it should be a universal like right to have access to clean water. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. And that's just crazy to me how that's just one of the things that climate change is threatening just like that water is just one of them because water is one of the essential things we need to live and yet other things are being affected exactly that's just something that my mind will never be able to grasp um so i just need to focus my attention on like the optimism of it all because that side is just something like i don't think i'll ever be able to understand just how drastic it can be um and i don't think i want to either because that's just depressing but (laughs) yeah um and, you know, a lot of these movements and these people are truly unique in the way they're approaching solutions to climate change. Um, but it's important to draw back to people in the past. So in the 90s, when this became like something very much on the forefront, there were lots of activists from South America um, who would go to UN meetings and stuff like that, the same way that Greta Thunberg is. It's just they weren't very much put into media just because they were a lot of time native and indigenous to South America. Um, so for, forgive me, I haven't, like, written down any names to mention. This is just, like, drawing back on past knowledge and past readings and stuff. But, yeah, a lot of them are Native and Indigenous, so they're not truly valued in our communities. And they're, they've kind of been, like, pushed aside. But, um, that's where it all started. And then another thing that I find really, really interesting and I remember reading about is, uh, college... Uh, divestment movements, which was and is a large-scale movement to urge colleges and their administrations to divest assets and holdings from fossil fuel companies. So what I remember is that at a Yale and Harvard football game, which is huge for the Ivy Leagues, um, uh, you know, some members of these movements stormed and, like, rushed the football field during the game with banners and, like, protesting uh, Yale and Harvard's 
contributions to climate change because they would invest into these fossil fuel companies and profit off of them when they have a bunch of money, you know, tuition is sky high, like they don't need to do this. So actually something currently, and I might mention like Columbia a few more times in these future episodes just because I'm like always, you know, keeping track of it. Columbia University is in New York City. So of course, like a lot of movements and protests is happening. Um, One thing is that they just ruled on like in their school board to stop funding fossil fuel companies completely directly and indirectly which i think is just great that they like they themselves were like we're completely cutting this out we don't need someone to call us out on it later like we're stopping it indirectly as well so let's say like yeah so let's say they funded i don't know um a random company like walmart and they don't you know directly use fossil fuels but they have products from companies that use fossil fuels they stopped their investments into that company and i think that's just amazing and that's just another example of like just how effective these youth movements are period period (laughs) (laughs) um Um, i want to backtrack a little i think you were talking about something um right before you mentioned columbia and harvard right before that yeah Hmm. Uh, South America and the... Oh, yeah. Yes. I, it was... I. You mentioned how Native populations' voices, like, aren't often heard. And I, yes. that makes me so sad because I'm like, they're often disproportionately affected by climate oh, change. Yeah. And they should definitely be given a platform mm-hmm. to voice their opinion on subject and what they can change. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> I just... <laughs> Mm-hmm. That also, um, I was just reading an article on this, but uh, when Donald Trump was trying to build the wall on the border of Mexico, which he only constructed like a couple miles for someone who had this grand plan for it. Um, It actually like was very detrimental to native communities because they just cut right smack into the middle of native communities, which actually reminds me of the scramble for Africa where they made like these boundaries of African countries and then completely cut like the tribes and civilizations in half and caused like ethnic conflict exactly and like these consequences aren't just gonna be like a one-time thing they last forever just like we see in Africa like there's still the consequences of post-colonialism and so the wall the border was completely detrimental to native communities not only because they cut in the middle of their land and in the middle of their communities but also because it moved like communities of animals and completely destroyed like ecosystems and it would have been even more detrimental if he had actually like followed through with his plans to make a wall and like it would cut into the middle of ecosystems and animals and just like completely shift the environment of those areas and i that just like completely baffles me and the ecosystem is so complex like if you throw off one aspect like it could literally impact us oh yeah yep yeah, and yeah, it's really important to note that even if one small thing happens, it's easy to just like move on from it and be like, oh, I'll be fine. We won't. Yeah, we won't. <laughs> yeah, if it's just one small part of the ecosystem or just somewhere off, like, you know, this was probably New Mexico or Arizona, something like that, sure, that's lots of states away from us in Florida or wherever anyone is, you know, but <laughs> it could still impact us. So yeah yeah i think it's just keep in mind like if even if an issue is happening far away like it could definitely still impact you yeah yeah so do you have anything else you wanted to bring up or mention in this episode alina uh i don't think so i think we got it all okay so you 
Yep, I think we got it all. Well, (laughs) that'll never be possible. That's true, but I'll for today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that's our continuous message to always keep informed and not just rely on this podcast or anything else. Seek out new knowledge. Yes, 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 yes. Go to your local, you know, bookstore, support your small businesses and buy some books on climate change. Um, Go on Wikipedia. I love Wikipedia so much. If I had the money, I would be donating to them so much. It makes me so sad. They they always ask. I'm like, I'm sorry. Yeah, but um, again, I just want anyone listening to know that even if you're not striking every Friday or um, if you're not part of an organization, not making calls every night or reading the news 24-7, your activism and your existence itself is still valid. Yes. Um, We're victims of climate change. Remember that, you know, don't ever feel guilty. And wherever you fit in the solution and the fight against climate change, you are completely valid. So You are enough. Yes, you are enough. You are worthy. You are loved. We love you so much. And thank you for listening to this episode. And thank you for supporting us. Bye-bye. Bye.